Hello everyone, this is Jonathan Little. I'm here with episode 202 of Weekly Poker Hand. We are almost to four years. It's a pretty long time. All right, so we are, again, going over a 5-5 hand that was played at Stone's Gambling Hall. And in this hand, taking a look around the table, everyone pretty much has nothing besides Frank and the Small Blind, who has Pocket Kings. There are a few other hands hanging out. Um, queen nine, or queen eight suited on the button may elect to play. King nine suited from early position may elect to play. But let's take a look. So they are going fold, 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 fold. King nine suited elect to limp, it looks like. So if you are under the gun plus two with king nine suited, that is a hand you either want to raise or fold. I definitely advocate getting limping out of your strategy, even in small stakes games. There are times to limp. I'm hesitant to even line them out because I think a better blanket statement for basically everyone watching this video is to just stop limping. But the times you want to limp are typically from early position with hopefully a balanced range, including lots of small pairs, suited connectors, and maybe suited aces. Um, when we're deep stacked. There are also times to limp when shallow stacks from later position, but we'll get to that in a different video. So is King-9 suited a good suited connector, suited ace, or a small pair? Not really. So for that reason, I would probably just fold it or maybe raise. You can certainly justify a wider limping strategy as your opponents become more and more passive. But so far in this game, that's not the case. Um, as we see here, Jason on the button with queen eight suited, looks like he's getting out a raise even over the limp, right? Remember, Jason has proven himself to be one of the more aggressive players. We've been through a few hands from this game over the last few episodes of Weekly Poker Hand. And uh, if your opponents are going to be aggressive against you whenever you limp, you definitely want to just raise yourself because then they can't be aggressive against you, right? If you raise, usually they're not just going to three bet blindly unless they're lunatics. And if that's the case, you can just sit there and be tight and win all the money. All right, so anyway... We have King-9 suited limping, Jason on the button raised to, I think it was 30 bucks. And now it's on Frank in the small blind with pocket kings. So I've played with Frank only one time in a Veronica and Friends game. It was a 1-3 game where everyone was crazy, including Frank. And at least in my game, Frank had the reputation of being overly ridiculous. <laughs> and if you're known to be overly ridiculous then you should certainly be three betting your pocket kings purely for value. If you are known to be creative, aggressive, etc., you want to play all of your big hands very aggressively because that's going to allow you to play big pots with them. Also, Jason in this game has been particularly aggressive as well, three betting a lot of hands, and he may think that if you are Frank, you're getting fed up with him and are going to start three betting him somewhat wide. So this is a particularly great spot for Frank to put in the three bets. Um, if Frank was in position, maybe he could justify calling with the idea that Jason's just going to barrel three times into him and then he can scoop up a lot of money with kings after the flop. But from out of position, what's going to happen is Jason's often going to bet only one or two times and he will somewhat easily be able to see the showdown, right? If um, Instead, Frank was in position. If Jason bet the flop and the turn and then checked the river, well, then Frank could just bet the river and put Jason in a bad spot with a lot of stuff. So... From out of position, I'm much more inclined to go ahead and put in the three bet as opposed to in position. That said, if I have Frank's image, at least what I think Frank's image is, I would definitely go ahead and put in the three bet to like $80 or so. He does just call though. 
The King-9 suited folds, and I actually think that's a pretty big mistake for the King-9 suited. If you are limping the suited hands, you're limping looking to limp call and flop well. Notice the stacks in this game are $1,200 deep, so over 200 big blinds deep, and you're limping with stuff like King-5 suited so you can certainly call and see the flop. You're not limping to limp fold. Um, that said, and this time he was in horrible shape, so <laughs> good fold. Flop comes 10-9-3, giving Jason a gut shot and Frank an overpair. Frank checks with his pocket kings, as he certainly should, and now Jason elects to make a bet with his gut shot and backdoor flush draw. He does have a backdoor flush draw for 35 bucks. I think this is fine. I may even bet larger in this spot. This is a spot where Jason should likely check behind with some hands, like ace highs and pocket eights. So when you are checking behind a decent amount of marginal made hands, what that does to your betting range is it makes your betting range more polarized. It makes it either very good hands, like sets and overpairs and whatnot, or garbage or draws, right? And when you're betting with a very polarized range, you typically want to bet on the larger side, and that's going to be closer to the size of the pot. Now, this board is not so incredibly draw-heavy, 10-9-3, no suits, but I think it's close enough to where I would probably start betting bigger in Jason's shoes. That's going to set up a lot of nice double and triple barrel scenarios where, say, the turn is a diamond, giving him a flush draw. He can certainly continue blasting it then. Um, say the turn's a jack, giving him a straight. He can also keep blasting it. If it's a queen, maybe he checks. If it's an eight, maybe he checks. If it's something like an ace, maybe he keeps bluffing. As you see, there are a lot of cards that he could keep betting on, and making the pot bigger now will put his opponent in tougher spots later. And he just may give him more fold equity immediately on the flop. He does bet 35, though, and now back to Frank. Frank has to decide if he should call or raise. And with pocket kings in this spot, I think it's close. The problem with raising is that now you're starting to bloat the pot and make the pot big to where if he bets 35 and you make it, let's say, 100, if he calls or re-raises, either one, you're not really loving it. I mean, you're happy enough if he calls, but you're not loving it, right? And the problem is when he folds, when you make it 100, it's often going to be hands that are drawing pretty dead anyway, or nearly dead. And if he's drawing dead, you really want to keep him in the pot. And remember, Frank likely called pre-flop because he thought Jason was really bluff-happy after the flop. And... If that's the case, you want to do everything in your power to keep your opponent bluffing, which implies not check-raising, because if you check-raise, that says, hello, sir, I have a good hand. Would you like to continue? And you don't want your opponent to know that that's what you're thinking. So that should lead you to call. But again, calling out of position is not great just because it's going to go check-check on the turn a lot, or check-bet call on the turn and then check-check on the river. So this really does highlight the, the, the importance of position, and if you don't have position, you need to be taking the aggressive stance. Anyway, check, check, I'm sorry, check, bet, call on the flop. Turns an eight, giving Jason a middle pair. He's very likely to check behind now at this point, I imagine. I don't think he needs to continue betting when the turn pairs the eight. It does bring a backdoor flush draw with spades, not Jason's eight, not Jason's suit. So... It's a spot where I think Jason should definitely check. The river's a six of spades now, so backdoor flush draw comes in, and now a seven makes a straight. So Frank now has to decide if he should bluff, or sorry, value bet or check, looking to, I guess, check call. It's pretty dicey now, though, because he does lose to lots of two pairs, lots of straights, even the backdoor flush. But I'm not folding if I play this hand in this manner. Frank does check. 
And again, now Jason has to decide if he should bluff. And I think it's actually close. If Jason, instead of a pair of eights, had something like a pair of sixes or pocket fours or something like that, I think he probably should turn it into a bluff at this point. Because Frank very likely has a 10 or a 9. And a 10 or a 9 can conceivably fold to a river bet. And you need to look for hands that you should bluff with. And in this bot, try to, try to find like the worst hands in Jason's range. So raise the button, bet the flop, check, check, turn, and then check, or you know, bet the river. And there really aren't a lot of hands that make a lot of obvious sense. I mean, I guess there's hands like King Queen and King Jack. Those hands make a lot of sense to bet the flop, but those would often just keep betting the turn. Then we have stuff like Ace King, although that may not even bet the flop. So as you see, we're kind of searching for hands to bluff with. And for that reason, I think hands like pocket fours or fives, or maybe a hand like a random six, may be okay to bluff with in this spot. But I don't think an eight is necessary to bluff. When choosing hands to bluff, you always want to find blockers to your opponent's likely holdings. And here, what are the most likely holdings for Frank? Well, it's probably going to be a lot of stuff like a 10 or a 9 with a reasonable kicker. So you want to make sure you have something like a king or a queen or a jack in your hand when you're bluffing because that makes it harder for him to have those hands with a random kicker, which means he's more likely to have weaker holdings. But um, it's an interesting scenario. Normally when you're looking at your blockers, you want to look for the nut blockers, right? You're thinking, okay, the backdoor spades came in, so I want to have a spade. But that's not really true here because it's pretty hard for Frank to have exactly backdoor spades taking this line, and he would probably bet the river with those anyway. Um, if he had a hand like Queen Jack for a straight or any hand that's a straight, he's almost he's very likely to bet the river there too. So it's kind of hard to come up with exact uh, the exact blockers you want to have. I mean, obviously you'd rather have a 10 in your hand, but if you have a 10 in your hand for top pair, then that's not really a blocker. It's just the best hand, right? So I think here you want to block the kickers and... Doesn't really come up too often, but sometimes it does. So anyway, is this queen eight a reasonable hand to bluff? I don't know. It's close. I probably would just check, but I could certainly see bluffing it being fine if, very important, if Frank is capable of folding a 10 or a nine. Now, some people are just not capable of folding a 10 or a nine when the turn checks through, no matter what the river is. And if that's the case, bluffing here would be ridiculous. But if you will make a fold in those spots, then bluffing certainly has merit. So let's see if he does go for it. He does not. He snap checks it back. Frank shows the kings. And I don't know if he actually lost a ton of value in this hand or not, but I bet if he made it $80 preflop, Jason would have at least considered calling in position with very deep stacks, and that probably would not have been much of an error. And then Frank probably would have won a much larger pot. So if I had to give Frank some advice here, it would be to play aggressively. If you have an aggressive, splashy, creative image, which you do, Get in there and mix it up with your best hands. These are the hands you want to play big pots with. The whole purpose of playing a lot of marginal and junky hands aggressively is so that you make your best hands much, much more profitable. And if you're playing them in this manner, you don't make them much, much more profitable. If anything, you make them less profitable. So make that adjustment, and I think it'll work out better for you. That's going to be it for this episode. Thank you very much for being here. Good luck in your games, and I'll talk to you next week.